Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a 54-year-old lady in red, in act two of my career and living my best life. My perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Good day and welcome to today's episode of the Encore podcast. Today, I am extremely excited because we have our first international guest who is joining us. She is joining us all the way from Sayulita, Mexico, and she has a really interesting and amazing story that took her there that I am excited to have her share with you all. She is an Encore lady, and she took some huge leaps of faith to get her in Mexico today and living her very best life. So without further ado, I will introduce you to Anne Carpenter and her self-professed title at this time is Dreamweaver. So welcome to the show, Anne. Thanks for having me, Sherry. I'm super excited to be here. Excellent. I, first of all, I'm very jealous of where you are today because sitting in Kingston, <laughs> Ontario on January 12th, we're expecting another 10 or 20 centimeters of snow today. And like you, my goal is to become a snowbird in life. I'm not quite there yet, uh, but you've made yourself a permanent resident. So that's amazing. I'm in awe. I love your story and I'm excited for you to share it all with our listeners. If you will, can you go back and just tell us a little bit about your upbringing and who Anne was potentially as a child, some of the highlights and maybe some of the lowlights, if you're willing to share about what formed you and who you were in your growing up years. And then we'll kind of get to the middle point and ask some different questions. But tell us your story. Sure. Sounds great. So I grew up in Calgary, Alberta. I have three younger brothers and sisters. I'm actually adopted. And they are not, but I'm the eldest. So I guess they figured once they had me that maybe all the other babies could come. So I grew up there. I was educated in a bilingual school, not Spanish, <laughs> French. And my interest was reading and singing. I sang a lot as a child. And uh, I ended up going to school for theater arts shortly after college, which was challenging. College was rough. I met father of my daughter and we were married. And we stayed married only a little while. And then I became single by choice, had another child, and I was in the restaurant industry for a long time. I made the switch to sales when I was about 32, and that was the right industry for me. I, it was funny. I was thought working as a restaurant employee was sales. If you wanted to make a lot of money, you had to sell more things. And then I worked in sales for a long time. When I was working in sales, I worked hard. I was uh, the breadwinner for my children, as well as their primary caregiver. And I wanted to make sure my children had all the things that I didn't as a child. I wanted to make sure that they didn't have to choose between arts and sports. I wanted them to be able to do both. I wanted them to never have to worry about there being enough food to eat. And so I just worked really, really, really hard right. and made motherhood my career. And for me, motherhood was also bringing home the bacon. Right. So I did that and I loved it. I loved being a mom. And then when my kids started to get older, they're five years apart. 
when my youngest was about 14, I thought, oh, I only have a few more years of this profession of making a bunch of money and sales and spending it all on my children. And that was my life, going to soccer practices and dance classes and all the other things. I realized I needed to start thinking about what the second half of my life would look like. That's so true. And that is the whole point of this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. What does that look like? (laughs) Yeah. So it was really interesting to me. I find it really interesting when I think about it is that I thought if I moved to Vancouver from Calgary, it was something that I'd always wanted to do, but couldn't do because I had kids and shared custody and those kinds of things. So I decided that that would be a good move. I thought it would be good for my son, who was an excellent soccer player, for him to be able to play soccer year round. And I thought, well, the weather is nicer in Vancouver and it'll be great. And so that had always been kind of my dream and my goal. And then when I moved to Vancouver, that was like the end of my vision. I thought, oh, once I moved to Vancouver, everything will be hunky-dory. And then when I got there, I realized I didn't have any next steps. I had no idea what would bring me joy. And I did that when he was 16. So the next couple of years were bizarre because he got his driver's license. So I didn't even have to drive him to soccer practices anymore. Right. And I didn't know what to do with myself. So I just worked more and I went to the gym a lot. And... I wasn't very happy and making friends was really difficult. I decided that I needed to pull the trigger on some of the later plans, those visions for the future. But I honestly didn't know what they were because I thought that moving to Vancouver would solve my problems. Right. And you know, the all happy when syndrome that we all have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This happens, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I took action. So it's not like I just waited for something to happen to me, but I took the action and then there was no, I was like, here I am. (laughs) And what happened actually is I had a series of health setbacks that ironically was when I was going to the gym all the time and not like hurt ankles, like more serious things. And when I was talking to my daughter, I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. And we started dabbling more in real estate. One of the ways that I always had entertained myself when I was younger, I always said that I flipped properties for fun, but not so much for profit. Okay. (laughs) She was like, well, we love fixing up houses. We did it in Calgary. Why don't we buy a condo or two in Vancouver and fix them up. So we decided we would do that together because we really love designing things together and working together. And She was in real estate. And so we did that. And that, even though it wasn't my idea, it introduced me to a bunch of different people. And I really think sometimes saying yes to things that you didn't expect or that kind of come across your path that weren't part of your plan is where the magic lies. Like I often tell people in their 40s who don't know what to do with themselves and they're not happy. I always say, you know, the universe can present more to us than our puny little imaginations could ever imagine for ourselves. We have to open ourselves up to things that weren't part of our written down little plan, even if it's in our own little minds. Right. Because there's so many amazing things that are available to you out there. So I started thinking a lot more about travel. There was this connection between the property and this travel club that I was interested in. And I was reminded that I always wanted to retire to Europe. And then I thought about how my family was in Western Canada, how difficult it was to get to Europe. So I started sniffing around to see what existed on the Pacific coast. That was one airline away, one flight away. And social media started telling me that Sayulita was an interesting place to be. So I came here kind of on a whim. Mm -hmm. I booked a ticket for five weeks 
by myself. I rented an Airbnb and I said, I want to go someplace where I can make friends and not be invisible. And that first trip was just incredible. I just had an incredible time. I really found Vancouver. I felt invisible. People would say hello to my dog and then apologize to me. And I was like, you could say hello to me too. Right. Yeah, it was very strange. So this idea of feeling invisible, even though at this point I was the strongest, healthiest version of myself at that point. And I just thought, well, this is not working out for me. I got to go somewhere else. I got to go where I'm not invisible. It's funny. I a would... lot of women in their 40s and 50s feel invisible. Yeah, 100% agree with that. I will share with you. I agree with that sentiment 100% because my daughter lived in Toronto for a period of time in her mid-20s. And I remember her saying, how could I be lonely in a town of 6 million people? And mm -hmm. the answer really is you're one of 6 million people. So unfortunately, no one notices you, which is really sad. And, you know, even for her being, you know, a beautiful young lady, then imagine being us, you know, we're middle-aged and, you know, we are who we are and get even more ignored come to, you know, live in a small town like Kingston, Ontario, or the place you're in in Mexico, where you matter. People smile at you at the grocery store and people recognize you and you have genuine relationships. So it's much easier to have stronger connections in a smaller place like that. I 100% understand what you're saying about that. I've never lived in Vancouver, but I imagine it's worse. <laughs> yeah, it's really challenging. I've thought a lot about why that is, but at the end of the day, it just wasn't for me. So right. I came here and I just had a wonderful time. It was the beginning of rainy season. That summer, it only rained at night and then maybe about an hour in the middle of the afternoon. And it was incredibly hot. So I would hang out with my friends at the beach club. And when I would get too hot, I'd say, watch my stuff. And I would just like run into the ocean and rinse off and come back and hang out and talk to people and meet new people. And Tahilita is quite amazing. It's changed a lot since the first time I came here six years ago. It's been growing so fast because it is really wonderful. There's a lot of other really beautiful towns to explore as well. The infrastructure here is bursting at the seams. But I was really fortunate to come when I did and be welcomed with open arms and start very slowly to learn Spanish. It's right. coming along. There's other cities and towns in Mexico where you, if you moved, you would need to know a lot more Spanish to get started. But there's towns like Sayulita, Puerto Vallarta, a lot of other little towns where you can get away with learning your Spanish as you go. Okay. But yeah, I was really welcomed and made a lot of friends. I stayed for five weeks the first time and sobbed when I had to leave and go back to Canada. I bet. So when so, you got back, <laughs> how mm -hmm. long did you went again? <laughs> I think it was about nine months. Okay. And one of the things that I did is I didn't just go for like two weeks at a time. I would go longer. And I was fortunate to do that because I was in sales and I was working online. You know, sometimes we would go to conferences or sometimes I would meet people in person. But for the most part, my work was online. So I didn't even really tell anyone. I told my family, of course, and my friend, but I didn't really feel the need to tell my employer. I was only going for a month or two, six weeks. And I would just make sure that I had a good Wi-Fi connection and would do my job. And I was probably better for it because I was happy. Was that pre-pandemic? Oh, yeah. That was six years ago. Wow. So you were way ahead of the curve. <laughs> I was. Yeah, I was. You know, so this was all, this is what you had been doing, actually, then when we got to the work from home time, but good for you for being, you know, ahead of that and, you know, having an employer that whether they knew or not is kind of irrelevant, but recognize that it wasn't important for you to be in a physical location. Didn't you say there was a little blip in that though? Definitely. 
I was working for a company where I worked really hard and I didn't make a ton of money. And so I left there and I went to a big company where I got paid more money. And the day that I started there, I found a lump in my breast. But I was in Toronto when I found the lump, basically. I couldn't get to the doctor back in Vancouver for another week. So when I got back, I went to the doctor. At this point, I'd been coming to Sayulita for about two and a half years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two and a half years. And when I found the lump in my breast, I knew it wasn't right. I really tell women all the time to know your breasts, feel them in the shower all the time, know how they feel. Because if you know, then you'll notice right away when something's wrong. In fact, when I went into the doctor, who is a woman, I said, I have a lump in my breast and it hurts actually when I touch it, which is also like, if you Google search, like, is it cancer? It usually says it doesn't hurt. Well, mine hurt. And she didn't think it was anything. She couldn't feel it. But she said, in an abundance of caution, I'm just going to send you for a mammogram anyway, because you have a tablet. Good for her. And I was, yeah, I mean, it is good that she did that. I was 46, so it was time for me to have a mammogram anyway. But when the results came back that it was cancerous, she was really shocked and sort of humbled because she said, kind of thought that you were just sort of making it up. But because I knew how my body was supposed to feel and that that wasn't right, I found it right away. So it was really small. So they had me in very quickly to have a lumpectomy. And between the lumpectomy and the recommended radiation, I didn't need chemo. I went back to Mexico for kind of my shortest trip. Yeah, I went back for two or three weeks in December of 2018. And I've been going about every six to nine months for a couple of weeks to a couple of months. And when I was there, I said to my friends, I'm moving here. When I left in January 5th, 2019, I said, I will be back here before the end of the year to live here permanently. Good for you. Call your shot. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what I did. And at this point, I had lots of wonderful friends, both Mexicans and other people like me, Canadians and Americans and Europeans that had fallen in love with Sayulita. So when I got back to Canada, man, I had a list of things to do. Holy cow. So I had five weeks of radiation to do. I had three years of tax returns to do. (laughs) (laughs) I had a fight with the strata board or the condo board that I had to finish winning. I had a condo to sell. I had just so many things to do. A whole lifetime of things to get rid of that I wasn't going to take to Mexico. Now I had been, you know, I had downsized from my house in Calgary and I had continued to downsize, but it's so hard. And it took, you know, five moves to get to the smallest amount. So, you know, I think it can be overwhelming for people to go from all their belongings to just a little bit, you know, two suitcases. So for me, it worked really well to do it, you know, in phases. So I went back and I won the fight with condo board so that I could have my beautiful floors. And I sold my condo, did my radiation, which was very unpleasant. And then I moved here. I moved here on December 15th, 2019. I moved here with my big dog and I just rented a place and moved in. And at that point, I was still working for that big deal company. And I had told them much earlier in the year, I told them because they knew that I was working 18 hours a day. They knew that I was also dealing with radiation. Right. They knew that I was frustrated. They knew that I was doing good things for their company. I said to them, well, I'm going to be doing that from Mexico and I will come back every six weeks and visit customers in person. And then I will do what I do regularly, which is talk to them on the phone. That's what I do. I talk to them on the phone and I send emails and I can do that from everywhere. 
Right. And I guess they didn't believe me when I told them that in, you know, March of 2019. I said, by the end of the year, I'm moving to Mexico and I'm going to do this job for you. And I don't think they believed me. So when I said, okay, December 19 is here and I'm moving to Mexico. And they said, oh, well, go for your holiday and then we'll talk about it in January 2019. And I said, okay. And then January 2019, I was here and they terminated me. Yeah, they packaged me out because they said you couldn't possibly do that job remotely. I said, well, I kind of have been doing it remotely from my living room for a year because I was sick Mm -hmm. and I was getting results, but okay. So I happily took my package. And two months later, when the world shut down for COVID, I think they regretted it. Right. And then they went bankrupt. So I was happy that it all worked out that way because... I was in the driver's seat of all of that. I had sold my condo and I had the money in the bank to do what I wanted to do in Mexico, which was buy a home. And I had no pressure. So when COVID started, a lot of my friends down here were really, of course, upset and worried because they all made their money off of tourism. A lot of weddings happened here. I had a lot of friends that were makeup artists, wedding planners, those kinds of things. I could see that there was some opportunity, you know, all the reservations had canceled. Right. I was living in a really small house in Sayulita, a little apartment. And I thought, oh, this is probably a really good time to rent a beautiful home. So I rented a really beautiful home. And, you know, I had my little bubble of friends. And so my little bubble of friends and I would get together. They would cry a lot. You know, they were scared about how their future was going to be and where they were going to make money. I had one friend that was a yoga instructor and she that was her only income. So I started saying, well, why don't you come and give me a yoga class, you know, and I'll give you some money. And then I started inviting my bubble to come and have yoga class so that we could all give her some money. And we got through it. And we used to say, well, first we'll cry about it and then we'll drink about it. And so (laughs) a lot of that happened during the pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, for three months, the town was shut down really tightly and it was actually pretty fabulous because everyone had their little bubbles. We couldn't go to the beach. There were police that would like go down the beach on their ATVs and kick you off. So you could only, you know, walk your dog in the jungle or on the street, which was weird, but that is weird. Every country has has its weirdness. Oh, we did too. Um, Oh yes, I know. So it just actually was a really inspirational time for me. I didn't expect to be working. And so it gave me kind of even this longer period to explore these dreams that I had about having a rental property here in Sayulita and what that would look like. So my dream expanded when I was there and I decided that I was going to look for a property that had multiple units because what I really wanted to do was to give women a place where they could come to reinvent themselves the same way that I had done going to Mexico over five years. I have and I continue to have this vision of creating retreats for women where they can come for a week and remember how beautiful and sexy they are and remember how fascinating they are. So it's not the kind of retreat where you just sit and quietly and do a ton of exercise. Although there will be yoga, there'll be nice things, but I want people to get out and surf and swim in the ocean and dance with Mexicans that know how to dance really well and just feel alive and help people become brave enough to figure out what their next step is and go for it. Wow! So I'm in the progress of doing that. I timed the market really well, which was great. There was a moment in the pandemic where real estate prices really dropped. And I said, oh, this is my time. 
Right. So I found a property. It was a fixer-upper. It has five units, and that's what we're sitting in now. And I had to completely redo the main floor unit, which was my unit. The four rentals upstairs were in pretty good shape. And I did a lot of... It was very stressful. Building in Mexico is incredibly stressful. Nothing happens the way you think it will or should. And plumbing is strange. Electricity is strange. Everything's built in concrete. And as a woman in particular, they don't want to listen to you. It doesn't matter how many renovations I've done before. I clearly didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> so building in Mexico is not the faint of heart. I would really say that if you just want to come to Mexico and have a little revenue, just buy a duplex or buy two condos, live in one and rent one, because that part is really challenging. And even over the weekend, you know, I just kept paying out money. I had two plumbers here. I had a painter here. I can't even begin to tell you the long list of stressful things that happened over the weekend to make sure that my property is always in tip-top shape for my guests. Right. Wow. You also shared with me when we spoke earlier, which really touched my heart, some of the things that you are doing to give back to that community. And I know you're very passionate about the arts and that you've started a couple of programs there for the children, as well as some adult classes and things. Would you mind sharing a bit about that? Because it really yeah, not at all. me. I love that. Yeah, not at all. Part of the thing about when you move to Mexico is that the opportunity to party is there every single day. Okay. And I realized that there was something that I wanted to do more than that. I needed there to be more. So I picked up music again and I was like, I'm going to sing in a band. I'm going to do some things with the music again. And while I'm still doing that a bit, I found that it wasn't flowing the way that I wanted. And I started thinking about what else I could do. And so I started a theater and arts company called Storybook Sayulita. And I offer children's classes and adult classes in art. I don't teach them themselves. I went out and found art teachers, both Mexicans and resident artists. And I facilitate and I find the customers, whether they're children or adults. And I run six-week art programs and we have six different teachers come in and teach for two classes. Last night was our last class for the adults. We did a medium called Encaustic, which is super cool. It's a mix of uh, pigment and wax, and you get to move it with heat and carve into it. And that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, it's really neat. I've launched that. So the way that it works is within the classes uh, I've built in, I don't really take much profit. I turn that back and I offer classes to the local children once a week, free of charge for art. And I work with a woman who's been doing it for years and she, I'm grateful she offers me the space to teach the kids and we're continuing to expand that class. So there's just, you know, education here, whether you go to a private school or a public school is challenging. There's not a lot of arts programs. So we offer these after school programs for kids to explore the artistic side. And I've also, you know, done workshops around the music and theater. That's the area I really want to grow, hoping that we can build a little community of theater geeks like I was when I was a kid. That's great. <laughs> So That's we're working great. on that. That's a work in progress for sure. That's good. What I love about listening to your story is you literally light up and you're glowing when you talk about your everyday and what you're doing every single day. And I love that you took an incredible leap of faith and have just immersed yourself in this new location, in the new culture, in the new community, and you're all in. And I don't know if you have a plan B. Doesn't sound like you need one. <laughs> it sounds like you, know, you have a beautiful, bright future ahead of you. And that's what I want for everyone in their encore season. 
what does future Anne look like? Do you have more plans? Uh, do you have another yes, I mean, crazy left turn you might take in the future? Or what are you now dreaming? In my whole life. <laughs> Whatever you'd like to share. Or about the big leap. Whatever you'd like to share. I think that I'm not alone in this. But I hung on to things too long. I hung on to relationships too long. I hung on to possibility of other people showing up for me too long. I just really needed to show up for myself sooner. You know, there's a lot of things I could have done if I just had said yes to them sooner. And said no to things. You have to say no to things in order to be able to say yes to things. Yeah, so that's being beautiful. Saying, yeah, being better at saying, this isn't serving me. This relationship isn't serving me. Waiting around for someone to wake up and realize my value is not serving me. Right. So I do regret some of that. Okay. Well, you are a beautiful testament of saying yes and just in general saying yes to life and saying yes to possibilities. So you're very inspiring. I love that about you. I really, really appreciate you sharing your story with the listeners today. If people wanted to follow along or look into one of your retreats or something, how would they get a hold of you? Oh, well, you can definitely follow me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is the real and margarita. That's my personal. Oh, fun. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And you see flashes of my life. It's kind of my journal. I also have a really beautiful Instagram account for my Airbnb called Phoenix Sayulita, like Phoenix, like rising from the ashes. Right. But spelt the Spanish way, F-E-N-I-X Sayulita. Okay. And that's where you can inquire about openings in my property to come and stay. I haven't run any formal retreats yet, but I plan to. But I've had a lot of ladies come here and stay for a month or two and go on their own journeys. And I have this really safe space for them to do that. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. Well, when you do, please share them with me because I'll be happy to share them on all our social media accounts as well and to my listenership. It's beautiful. I will wrap it up with that. Yeah, thank you so much. I can see the sun is still over you where you are and it's still snowing here, so I'm still sad. However, I'm (laughs) going to have a great day as well. I really, really appreciate your time today. I love that you're doing it for you and I love that you're a self-professed dream weaver. I like to remind all of our listeners, including myself, every day that I'm doing it for Daisy and ask them to question themselves who are they doing it for. 